Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Andy Bates. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining me today, the Reverend Dr. Matthew Heisey, Executive Director of Lutheran Heritage Foundation, to bring us up to date on what's happening with our brothers and sisters in Christ in Sudan and South Sudan. Dr. Heisey, welcome to the Coffee Hour. Thank you, Andy. Always good to be with you. Always good to catch up with you about what's going on with our church partners and bringing the gospel and resources to our brothers and sisters in Christ around the globe. And that is a great work that Lutheran Heritage Foundation does. We're always grateful to have the opportunity to spend some time with you. Share with us, I recently learned about some of the unrest going on in Sudan for our listeners who might not be familiar with what's happening there. Can you give us some insight on what led to the recent unrest in Sudan? Sure. Actually, you almost have to go back a little bit. I think a lot of people remember some 20-odd years ago the problems in Darfur. And what happened then was you had certain militias form, and those militias never disbanded. And so there have always been these warring factions. And in 2011, there was just this one Islamic Republic of Sudan, which split. So the lower half became South Sudan. And so you had a split in the countries. I always say South Sudan is the youngest country in the world, having been formed in 2011. And so what happened is you still have these militias. And apparently right now, there was a dictator, Omar al-Bashid, who was removed in 2019 in the north, in what is known as the Republic of Sudan, where the capital is the, the famous city of Khartoum. And what happened then was you had various generals vying for power. And so now what is happening is you have the Sudanese army literally fighting these rebel groups called the paramilitary. They're they're the rapid support forces. And so they are battling for power and control of the government, which should have been more democratic. I mean, you, you had some people looking for a democracy in 2019 when the dictator al-Bashid was overthrown. And they've been pushed to the side. And once again, you have you know, the military is calling the shots. So these are some of the issues that have led to the recent unrest, which began in April 15th, and then the violence started. So in the middle, about the middle of April, violence began primarily in Khartoum. Is that correct? Correct. Right. And, and so people began to flee I mean, you have almost 1.2 million people displaced. And so many are flooding out of uh, Khartoum. Some are heading to the south, maybe even to South Sudan, or, or just getting away from the battles, which are primarily in Khartoum, but also in the Darfur region, from what I understand. And you've given us some insight on the, the, you know, the, the development of South Sudan back in 2011. What's the relationship of Sudan to South Sudan today and for people to flee from Sudan to South Sudan? Well, I what guess you, you really have to understand. I mean, it's, it's kind of fascinating. The official language of the Republic of Sudan, the north, is Arabic. It is 97 percent Muslim and about 1.5 percent Christian. Now, South Sudan has English as the official language. And you have about 
66% Christian and some 30, 32% or so animist. Actually, let me get my numbers right there. 60% Christian, about 33 animist and 6% Muslim. So the South is primarily Christian and the North is primarily Islamic. So fleeing from Sudan to South Sudan certainly would have its challenges, I'm sure, crossing borders, moving into different cultural contexts as well to some degree, I'm sure. Correct. What does this mean, this unrest in Sudan in the north? What does this mean for our brothers and sisters in Christ there, particularly the Evangelical Lutheran Church of South Sudan and Sudan? Right. That, that church is, is literally going to become a, a, an official partner church of the LCMS. It's kind of called the ELCSSS, so Evangelical Lutheran Church of South Sudan slash Sudan. It was actually formed in 1994 when our founder, Robert Run, connected with a disgruntled Anglican by the name of Andrew Elisa. And Andrew was concerned about the kind of more liberal leanings of the Anglican church there. And Pastor Ron sent him five catechisms, Luther small catechisms, and a book of Concord. And Andrew then formed this Lutheran church at that time. So it has been, you know, close to 30 years old. And now, I mean, you're talking almost 200,000 members and some hundred congregations, but only about 70-odd pastors. So actually, the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, with the blessing of LCMS World Mission back in the 90s, has been running a seminary uh, for a long period of time. And uh, there are currently 17 uh, students who will be graduating this year from the seminary. So these are some of the things that the, the issues that they have to deal with. 20 of those congregations are in the north. So in the Islamic north, you had three congregations in Khartoum, which have been closed. Actually, their churches were literally bulldozed about five, six years ago, but the the congregation still met. But they have been officially closed, and now many of the members are fleeing out of Khartoum, some to the south, and the other remaining 17 congregations are in the area called the Nuba Mountains. And the Nuba Mountains are to the south, just really close to the border of South Sudan. So there are, are many Lutherans in Sudan who are dealing with the problems as far as I know from Bishop Peter Anabadi, for correspondence with him less than a month ago, he told me no one from the Lutheran Church has been killed yet, but there are many refugees and they are in need of food, shelter, clean water, you know, first aid kits. And, and so he, he calls for that assistance as well as the prayers of many people for those who are refugees who are fleeing then, in, some into South Sudan. Any news from the congregations in South Sudan? Has there been an influx of people fleeing to South Sudan and then making their way to those congregations? Do we know? We don't know exactly. I have not heard yet if they've actually made it all the way down because the center of that Evangelical Lutheran Church of South Sudan, Sudan, is Yambio. And Yambio is literally on the border of the Democratic Republic of Congo. So that's the far south. And, and some of these refugees, although they're fleeing to South Sudan, others are fleeing to neighboring countries like Chad and Egypt. So uh, trying to find where everybody is right now is, is a little difficult. The ELCSSS does have congregations in the Nuba Mountain region in South Sudan. So those Nuba Mountains go across Sudan and South Sudan. If somebody got a 
map, they could kind of see, you know, where that's all going. Actually, the Nile River flows through some of it. And so we haven't heard specifically of others who have actually made their way down just yet. But Peter tells me, Bishop Peter tells me that they are prepared to try to gather as many resources as they, as they can to help these refugees. Right now, the government is of South Sudan is sending three flights daily to the town of Rank, and Rank is literally on the border of South Sudan and Sudan. So some of those refugees are coming in and others are making their way back home into the South. What are the needs of our partner church, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of South Sudan, Sudan? Well, with regard to the refugees, I mean, clearly, basically, you know, food, shelter, clean clean water is always an issue there. And, uh, you know, some type of first aid helps and assistance. That is where they need because they are going to try and reach out to those in the camps as the government of South Sudan sets up refugee camps. Unfortunately, they're kind of used to this sort of thing because of civil war that has taken place in South Sudan between warring tribes like Dinka and Nuer, there are, those are the two dominant language groups and there has been civil war between them. I, I was there about in Bortown six years ago, which is one of the strongholds of the Dinka people. And a year before I came, I, I saw National Geographic pictures of hundreds of people lying dead on the ground. There was tribal warfare. And when I arrived, there were all the blue helmets of, of the UN. So they had kind of stabilized the area and it has remained fairly stable. But I mean, this is just always a danger, Andy, and, and I can't stress it enough. One of our pastors, because many of them have their own cattle, was out herding his cattle and uh, a couple of years ago, and he was murdered by thieves who just started stealing his cattle. And, and, and so, you know, now, now he's left with a widow and, and, and his children there. He was in his 40s. So these are just the everyday dangers of life of many people in South Sudan. Famine, floods, tribal warfare, and yet the church is growing by leaps and bounds. It's, it's amazing how, how God works in, in some of the most difficult of circumstances. Share with us what you, you may know about how the church has been able to continue word and sacrament ministry there and any reports of or stories from the field of congregations, pastors that are able to continue carrying on ministry even in these difficult times? Yeah, one of the things we've been able to do is, is provide them with motorcycles so that they can actually get, because, you know, if you've got almost 200,000 parishioners and you've got 70-some pastors, they, I mean, clearly they, they have to find their way to many different places. And so we try to provide them with, with, with some of these motorcycles so they can move from town and village to village and, and be able to, to share word and sacrament ministry with the people. And the people are always overjoyed to have that opportunity to reach out, as well as going into Uganda, also south, because there are refugee camps there. We completed a Mahdi small catechism from a congregation up in Minnesota that helped sponsor it because they had a Mahdi speaker in their congregation. And so actually one of the graduates of the seminary went there as a missionary to Uganda to reach out to his people group there who are Mahdi speakers. So, and, and, and many, many Muslims too in some of these regions. So we have the opportunity through Lutheran schools, which is one of the things that the LCSSS is very adamant about establishing. Bishop Peter has been very active in making sure that there are Lutheran schools 
who will teach the catechism. And these are some of the books that we do. Luther's Small Catechism, A Child's Guard to Bible Stories in the many different languages of, of South Sudan so that people can and children can be taught the faith. And they're just, if you see some of the video, it's, it's really fascinating because they're just so overjoyed and they're, they're singing and dancing and, and, and praising the Lord, kind of like King David, I think, would be back in the Old Testament. Very good. Well, thank you for the update and thank you for sharing those insights on the Lord's work in Sudan and South Sudan. Thank you so much to, for joining us today, the Reverend Dr. Matthew Heisey, Executive Director of the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. You can learn more at lhfmissions.org. Thank you, Pastor Heisey. Thank you. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon.